In a week or two's time, we'll be pleased to announce that we are going to be co-authors of a new book um, and therefore a published author. So I took this opportunity to get CX experts on the RecX podcast. Makes sense, right? So RecX is going to be talking CX. And on these episodes, I'm going to be speaking with people from all over the world about all things customer experience. I created our recruitment business with values all around the customer journey and how we treat our candidates and our clients as customers. And therefore, it was pertinent that as we do this spin-off series on talking about customer experience, we can learn a number of lessons on why employers and how they're engaging their staff, but also how you keep your customers engaged and how you can attract new customers and how these attitudes are all contagious. So I hope you enjoy this new series um, and I'm really excited to, to be speaking to some really, really strong CX industry experts. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to a, another episode of the RecX podcast. And today I am with a, another fellow co-author from our new book, Customer Experience 2. Um, so welcome, Sharon. Thank you for having me, Dan. Nice no to meet you. worries. Yes, nice to, to meet you in your cosy summer house. Um, that looks, uh, yeah, very appealing from uh, from Zoom, my end anyway. Um, so I will hand over to you. Do you want to give yourself a quick introduction? Yes, thank you. So, yeah, so I'm I'm Sharon. I, um, I'm a CXO at the moment for an IoT company uh, up in Yorkshire called MKL. I also run my own consultancy called Canoodle CX. Um, and yeah, so co-authoring on the CX2 book at the moment, which is massively exciting. And the launch is out very, very soon. So I'm sure we'll touch on that later. But yeah, that's that's a big thing for me this year. Um, yeah, so I'm in, I'm in Milton Keynes. I've got two young boys, a dog and a tortoise, a runaway tortoise actually, because they tries to escape all of the time. Um, what else to tell you? I'm a CCXP and I'm a fully trained program manager as well. So I tend to do a lot of customer experience implementation. Perfect, thank you for the, for the, for the intro. What's your turtle called? He's called Rocky. <laughs> nice. Nice. Funnily enough, uh, a lost turtle um, got lost and we found him on our street um, yesterday. So that's a very bizarre coincidence when we're talking about running away. It wasn't yours, was it? I think he still needs a little enclosure. So I will have a good look once we finish. <laughs> we, are, we are pretty far away from each other. So it's a pretty good turtle if it's managed to, uh, if it's managed to get to Birmingham. So, uh, <laughs> um, so talk to me about um, your journey into CX. How did you um, get into it? Did you fall into it or did it find you? That's a really interesting question, actually. So I've been um, a program manager for a very long time, delivering big digital transformation programs, mm -hmm. um, pretty much all of them customer facing for the last about 20 years. Um, and I really, really love the customer side of it. That was what always got me excited about delivering a program. What would it transform for the customer and how would it look and feel to them? Um, and it was oh, around, September, October this time last year, um, and I was thinking about my future direction. I'd kind of reached the dizzy heights that I needed to reach or felt I wanted to reach within program management. And because uh, I was working at EasyJet at the time, and I was doing it partway 
through my MBA and we were doing an entrepreneurial module and they were asking us what if you had to start your own business or you had the opportunity to start your own business what would it look like and I spent some time reflecting and thought actually do you know what I really love everything to do with customers that's what makes me tick um, so I started exploring and came across these amazing customer experience professionals and thought oh wow okay there's a job that exists out there that has got my name on it um, how do I retrain and what do I need to do um, so really from kind of standing up in my uni and presenting what this agency might look like and having the rest of my cohort saying oh this is really interesting Sharon do you actually do this because I'd hire you and we go oh well um, it's not live right now but what <laughs> <in case?"> <laughs> Um, I then set up for Canoodle from that point. Um, I then left EasyJet, so timing worked perfectly. Um, then kind of I was going for talking to other companies around you know, that, them being a client of mine and we went into the fun of lockdown. <laughs> so obviously everything moved online. But for me, I really started exploring what CX looked like um, what it meant to me and how I could really support clients and what I could give and how I could still really use my strong background of implementation and transformation, but in much more in a customer space. Uh, so, so that's really what I've been doing um, since I left EasyJet and absolutely loving every minute of it. I've done my CCXP. Um, I did a customer strategy course as well over at my uni just to make sure I really had the fundamentals behind me. Um, and then I've done an awful lot of research into how it all goes and yeah, and delivered several projects. So one of my um, big clients um, with Canoodle was MKL Innovation mm -hmm. really well. And thankfully they've, they've now taken me on to, to work for them as their CXO. So it's been a lovely journey for me, um, quite unexpected, but it's turned out better than I, I could imagine. So yeah, that, I guess that's my, that's my CX story. So what were you, um, what was your, from a program management point of view, what were you, what were the programs you were, you were driving and running? Um, so the one at, um, the one at Argos was customer install browsing. So taking them from the laminated catalog <coughs> and the blue pencils over to uh, an iPad where they could properly browse a digital catalog <coughs> and then place their order and pay right there rather than having to join the queue. Um, so that was the, the first one. There was lots of other projects involved, but that was the, the big one around actually transforming right. um, digital stores or yeah. transforming the stores into digital stores. Um, then at EasyJet, it was around giving the pilots and the cabin crew, uh, so the operational teams, technology um, and uh, equipment on board so they could serve customers better. Uh, and also so they had everything they needed to fly better too so yeah a, a, a digital transformation in the sky uh, which was uh, really interesting but yeah a lot of my transformation uh, programs have often involved tech um, yeah. but then managed to really make sure that the end customer can self-serve mm -hmm. or the company can um, react a lot more quickly and save time or in the case of EasyJet, stop delays to, to passengers, which is obviously crucial um, right. and affects the big, the wider schedule as well. So yeah, I've also done some cultural change projects. So at Home Retail Group, 
uh, we were part of a, a task force there uh, looking at what the culture looked like across the three main businesses of home retail group yeah. and how we could bring all their different values for different businesses together into one because obviously it's all retail and trying to pull us much more together in a cohesive way so that it doesn't matter which customer whether it was home base or argos or habitat but you felt like you were being served in in a really um uh, consistent way so that was a, a really interesting fantastic project around culture okay interesting so you, you had some overlaps before you started to go fully into the cx world you you, you were dealing with the customer obviously. oh massively yeah everything i've done has been customer facing yeah i did a a project at welcome break where we put in brand new kiosks and yep. i spend the majority of the time in the service stations watching customers putting in the tech seeing how the process flow worked when they were queuing up to get their kfc or their harry, harry <laughs> and, chips, um, and making sure that we removed all the pain points before we put the tech in and making sure that it, it was human first rather than just putting in tech for tech's sake so yeah everything i've done has kind of been cx but always under the, the kind of banner of program management. So now it's now I'm doing it kind of the other way around. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's much better. Nice. So let's let's talk about cultural change. So um, I, I don't know how much you know about what, what we do as, as a business, but um, I do tech recruitment, but we embed ourselves. So our differentiator um, is that we use CX principles in order to, to deliver a customer experience for both the candidate and the client. However, in order for us to do that, we sit into the business, we embed ourselves into the business by understanding their culture and their values. Um, if a business doesn't have any culture or doesn't have any values, we will work with them to effectively understand what those are. But if they aren't able to do that, we will not partner with them. So we, 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 will, we think it's important because it's a, it's very candidate driven, the tech market, as you will know, uh, being in tech. And in order for you to attract the best talent, it's not necessarily about how that person can do a job technically. Of course, that has a part to it, but it's also about how they're going to embed themselves in their culture, um, in, the, in, in your company's culture. So what and why did you do for, should we take the home uh, retail group, for example, what, where did that start? And at what point did they decide that actually that was important to them and why do they need to do that? So I think, um, so the exec team were looking at the home retail group as an umbrella and then the three businesses plus group as well and where they could put some synergies in place. This was before Sainsbury's took over. So I think there was a bit of, you know, realizing that there was some merging on the horizon and trying to think about you know, where do our businesses sit and how can they all come together in a better way. Yeah. Um, so at the time, the CEO was going, okay, right, we've got three very separate businesses here. Let's let's have a think about this. And so he put into place something called Discovery, which was a massive transformation. And one of the work streams on that was culture and values, which is what me and my team were delivering. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, he, he had really recognised that we were quite different. And how that manifested itself was some of the projects that we had in place or we were sort of helping to start that transformation or coming together as a wider uh, team was about um, the uniforms and the dress code. So um, in home base, for instance, they were a lot more rigid and um, 
what's how how to say it? I, I guess they 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 really wanted to dress up. They're, they're guys in home base that are customer facing, were kind of much more suited and booted than the Argos team, for instance, who were slightly more dressed down, more casual, and. Um, while home base head office really wanted their teams in the office to kind of keep that going and make sure that they were suited and booted still as well. The Argos teams in the head office were like, well, no, it's fine to have dressed down. You can wear what you want. Um, and Habitat were like, mm, went really fast. So one of the first, one of the first cultural projects we drove as a team was trying to understand where can we get to? Where's the middle ground? What are the blockers? And how do we get to a place where employees are able to come to work and where what makes them comfortable, how they perform best? So they want yeah. to dress up great if they want to dress down perfect. Uh, so it, that was one of the roles that I took on to talk to the home base um, exec team and say to them, this is the way that we're headed. This is what we're trying to get to. This is the end vision. Yeah. Um, how far along this can, can we go to? And there was a slight bit of pushback to start with, but yeah, we came to a place where we had relaxed dress down and, and that did, that was the start of the cultural change within home retail group. Obviously it all, all got slightly stopped when uh, Sainsbury's came in, but, um, and then we, they moved into their own culture, but that's, that was how that program was running. Okay. And obviously we take that as an, as an example. Um, so, you know, what were the measurements and, and how were you measuring how people were going to perform best? Do you just feel it was like, well, you know, if they were feeling like they were in relaxed dress, that it was down to, the, to how they were going to effectively get the best output based on that? Uh, and that, did, you, did you go and do a, a survey or you speak to individual people? Yeah, so we so we, there was a group of us called colleague advocates at Home Retail Group who were spread across every department um, in Home Retail Group, depending on which uh, company we worked for. And we all came together. There was about 30 of us. And so we were a voice for every department. So we kind of represented the culture because obviously you get pockets of culture, don't you, in different, yeah. different departments um, to understand what... Uh, the rest of the teams across the building, because this was mainly um, in Milton Keynes, wanted. So did they want a relaxed dress code? What benefits would that bring them? What happened when they were in front of customers and a customer said, oh, actually, I want to speak to um, I want to speak to a manager and someone comes out and they look really relaxed. Well, actually, are you the manager? What does that mean for for, for a customer journey? All those kind of discussions were had up front to say is this the right thing do we need to have certain areas that are dressed in a slightly different way so all that kind of cultural discussions were had and it came out very clearly that the majority or all of us really that was there there was no reason why you couldn't have a relaxed dress code which basically means you just dress what makes you comfortable and if you feel like you're in front of a customer and you feel more comfortable when you were you're in a dressed up position then that's what you do as long as you're not wearing hot pants to work, it, you can you can wear what makes you perform better. So yeah, that was that was a, a good way of showing the change from the old culture to mm. the new one and the very first start of that cultural change. Okay, fine. And then when when you talk about cultural change, uh, how similar or how much do you encompass the business's values? Because I can imagine, even though as you highlighted, even though, you know, you're part of a group, the, re the reality is, is that, you know, each one of those brands had a different identity. Um, so did, did you take values into, in, in, into consideration as well? 
Yeah, massively. That was a key part of the cultural change for home retail group. So we looked, there were three different types of, you know, three different lists of, of values for those three different companies. Yeah. Um, there was also, you know, there were some old ones floating about as well. So we looked at what they looked like. We looked at um, companies that have got a fantastic culture, like Zappos always comes up. They've got a really good culture. <laughs> we looked at theirs. We looked at a lot of different companies. We worked out that a majority of them are actually quite similar. You know, have integrity. You know, that you you get you get the same ones quite often as you as you wander around. We looked at some of the ones that were a bit more out there. Um, um, so MKL, for instance, they don't stick with the with the standard values. They are very real and authentic. But yeah, with, with Home Retail Group, there were definitely some similarities across them, and yeah. it was. Uh, it, it took us some time to put them all into the pot and then whittle them down to make sure that actually they felt right internally and they felt right externally as well. Investors could look in and go, yeah, that feels right. Customers could look in and go, yeah, that, that feels like home retail group. That feels like Argos, but that it would really land with the employees itself. But yes, you're right. Everyone comes, you and I will have completely different value set. And so would all of those people on the team. And actually, we did have discussions where I remember a particular uh, person in the team, the only value that he wanted in that list was entrepreneurial. <laughs> and that's all he ever said was just make sure entrepreneurial was in the pot. It didn't end up in the pot. <laughs> but yeah. the one that I really wanted in there uh, was customer excellence. And yeah. um, we didn't quite get there. We got customer first, um, which was uh close enough but um yeah it was really kind of working out what fits well what feels authentic and what will actually drive the business forward and making sure we're not just doing this for a tick box activity which is quite you can end up doing that if you're not careful yeah okay and in terms of your honest opinion how does cultural change or culture and values um align itself with a cx strategy or customer experience in your opinion if I talk to you about MKL's one, because we've literally just done their yeah, line to their culture. So they are um, they're, they're a scale up now. So they're, they're, they're very much uh, a large startup. They are two northern guys, the, the founders. They're really fun, really, really hardworking, uh, lots of banter, a uh, little bit cheeky. <laughs> um so something quite stuffy and corporate really just would not work for them at all. So mm -hmm. when they came to me and said, actually, Sharon, we're looking at CX, but we've got a strong brand, we've got a strong culture, we don't want the norm, we don't want to look at a book, it's not going to work for us. Um, it was really about me understanding what made them tick, what language they use, which is, uh, yeah, I've learned a lot since talking to them. Le words that I've, uh, even today, they told me a word I was like, what, what does that mean? So it, it, I felt like I've had to learn Northern. Um, but, but yeah, it's been really interesting to align a customer experience strategy with a culture that isn't the standard corporate culture that I'm used to. Mm -hmm. um, it is much more, and what we really needed to do was while we built this strategy on really strong core CX principles, we then added an additional layer over the top. Oh, I've just got it, I've got it somewhere. Um, an additional layer over the top, which then was written in their wording so that it lived and breathed and was, as I said earlier, was really recognized mm -hmm. as MKL. 
um, and I found that really important and that has really embedded now in what they do. The other thing that I did for them was create some service behaviours. So the, their engineers are going to be delivering the culture, they're going to be delivering the customer experience. So what kind of language would be used in the vans as they go out? How would they speak to each other and how would they speak to customers was important and the founders wanted to do something a bit of fun with them. So um, there is some language in there that I wouldn't have used. So um, they say things like, make sure that you wash your bum, <laughs> which is slightly awkward and not something I'd normally put in, a, in anything that was a professional document. But what they mean by that is make sure you are presentable to your customers, make sure you do your very best, turn up and show up and make sure you're given excellent customer experience, which is their way of saying it. Yeah. So they have had some real fun with it, but it is based on some real deep, proper um, and very constructive customer experience uh, fundamentals. But yeah. yeah, and it's all about, so obviously they are an IoT house. So a lot of it is around making IoT very accessible, very easy to grasp from a customer point of view. So mm -hmm. that clients who go, I have no idea what an IoT is, help me that they know that actually MKL are a safe pair of hands to help them with that. Are you talking, just for the listener's point of view, IoT stands for? Internet of Things. Yes, and that's exactly what I mean. That's why we really wanted in the CX strategy for IoT to be something that wasn't like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so it, it really needed to be. One of the first things they've got in their strategy, the six pillars, is IoT can be complex. We make it easy. We can go fast or slow, whatever tickles your pickle. So mm. that it's, it's wording like that that is obviously not the norm, but is all about how we make this easy for customers to understand. And it's, <laughs> it really reflects their strategy and their culture. I think also being a tech business, I think, you know, I think people appreciate that anyway. Um, you know, I, 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 there's nothing more I dislike when a tech business tries to take themselves too seriously, yeah. uh, especially in such a you know emerging industry such as IoT, um, there's nothing worse. Um, so I think it's fun. I, I like it. I, I like what, what what you've done there. So that is really good. And how can I ask? How are they embedded? They're a scale up. I'd imagine they're going to have to start hiring people. Um, and how are they portraying that message with their employees? Is it, you know, is it just with their customers um, or what are, they, what are they doing? So, yes, we've had to hire. So we're, we are taking on a developer, uh, which she starts next week. And all of the hiring process has been very much around this is who we are. This is what our culture feels like. This is how it should feel to our end clients. But yeah. also this is what it feels like in, internally. We, we are fun, we are a family, we will treat you that way, but we do, as it says in the strategy, we expect you to treat our clients like rock stars and in return, we treat our teams like family. And you could feel that in the interview. So the questions that we asked our new developer, um, yeah. who's fantastic by the way, we can't wait for it to start, are all about um, when you are developing and you're doing your, your head down doing your coding, how do you make sure that you still think about the end user, the end customer, that you are trying to make their lives easy? You're not just thinking about where the best place to put code is. So questions like that, right from the start to make sure that we had the right person. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah, nice, nice. I think 
there's there's nothing worse, and I, I've mentioned this in a couple of podcasts. There's nothing worse than you know when you receive a job description to hire for a business, and it's just a list of technology, mm. you know, and a list of keywords, and you know what you want to do is you really want to embrace what it's like to work there. You know, how can you deliver a person um, that is right for your business if you don't understand what the culture's like, um, what the values like, what you stand for. Exactly. And I was on the on the interview panel and the MD was there and he's always full of banter and high energy. And it, so, so I, she, she knows exactly what she's coming into because she got it in the interview. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, it sounds like you've done a fantastic job for for for, for those guys. And um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's difficult because I think every business is going to be different. And uh, especially when I can, you know, if you don't mind me saying, when you're coming from a more corporate experience before it's going to be a shift right yes yeah absolutely yeah i mean i i'm loving embracing my inner geek girl definitely and doing all the (laughs) iot stuff and the 5g and how it all pulls together absolutely loving that but yeah it it is a different environment to coming from a corporate world i've been quite lucky in the corporate corporates that i've worked for they have all had kind of quite fun vibrant uh cultures which I really um, embrace. I haven't had anywhere too stuffy, so it wasn't too much of a shock, but it really could have been. And I think if you are someone who goes from a corporate world into a smaller startup or into a totally different um, culture, it it can take a while. And that recruiting for cultural fit is so important. So I completely understand why you you have the approach that you do. Yeah, I think it's, it's so important and nothing worse than, um, you know, people tend to have exper- you know, bad experiences with using a, a recruit, a recruiter largely because the reason or, you know, largely a, a number of reasons is that why people leave in such a short period of time is because they don't fit into that business. And therefore, you know, we should take responsibility to really fine tune what personality and what personas you require for a business far more than anything else because you could teach the technical skills you can't change someone's personality absolutely and i think that's why it's so important to make sure you're asking cx questions up front because it's so difficult to recruit for customer empathy if you've got a customer facing role Mm -hmm. if all you've asked them about is well how are you on the phones can you can you manage a switchboard but you haven't checked that actually they are they're customer friendly and they actually care about the person on the end of the phone you can just end up with someone who's just like i don't want to talk to people um (laughs) can we just do email you know all of that is is so important and if you miss those cx questions when you're recruiting um you you're missing a trick because you're just going to bring the wrong people in and i've definitely seen firsthand what it is like if you bring the wrong hire into a business especially a senior position it can just completely mess with the culture or or help it obviously but um yeah cultural fit is massive for me yeah agreed agreed i think we're all on the same page with that definitely so let's talk about our book yes so we're nearly there i hear um so what what's your chapter on um and and do you want to talk to us a little bit about why you why you chose it and what 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 it's about well actually it's it fits in really well what we've been talking about today so perfect segue so it's called launch an out of this world cx strategy that is my what my chapter is about and because i meant as i mentioned i'm a bit of a geek girl um i like space so i have try to compare a CX strategy and how you build it and land it to the NASA and SpaceX uh, 
Falcon 9 rocket launch. <laughs> Extremely out there, that, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I hope I've made it work, but obviously the readers, when they, when they read our, our chapters, can, can let me know. But yeah, yeah. So it is all about how you get your right crew assembled and suited and booted before you start, obviously pre-flight checks, um, and how you land the strategy properly and then embed it and make sure everything's okay and check for silos and issues between the different areas of your business. Um, yeah, but it's all about strategy and culture and making CX land properly. Perfect. It sounds, sounds really, really, really good. Um, I'm looking forward to reading everyone's stories and, and obviously speaking to, um, you know, a handful of, of, of the co-authors has been really fascinating to, to hear about the way they approach stuff and, and where it fits in. Are you, which principle did you attach your, your chapter to? My strategy. So it, there, there's a strategy, yeah, principle. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Which one's yours? Mine is uh, customer-centric values. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, so, yours, um, what's yours more about? It's, it's, it's all about how we made uh, the recruitment industry, which is renowned to be transactional, and yes. how, we, how we turned it CX. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I absolutely panic wrote. Uh, but my mother-in-law vetted it and said it was great, and uh, she really helped me with it. So it's, uh, it, it, was, it was an eye-opener because I think there are a lot of people that, obviously have done the, the the cx certifications and you know really really understand those those principles whereas when i started writing i didn't have a clue in fact it was a surprise until i signed up to do it and he was like uh that our project manager helping us with the book was like right it needs to adhere to one of these principles and i was like i mean i didn't know which one I, yeah so i was like straight away just if i had to pick one and i wanted to pick one before anyone else did because i don't think it fitted into anything else but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see so lastly, I ask everyone, Sharon, um, that comes on this particular podcast, to keep it in line with my industry, if you don't mind. Mm. If you could give one snippet of advice, one message to employers, so from an employer perspective, when it comes to CX, what would that message be? Uh, in the world of, like, when you're recruiting and onboarding, no, it doesn't need to necessarily be that. Just from an employer perspective, it doesn't need to be about recruitment. It could be anything. But if you're saying, and hopefully you'll be able to answer this quite easily because you've just done it with MKL, for example, yeah. um, and you've done it recently with with um, with also, you know, the home retail group. It could be anything. But what would that message be if you could give that one snippet of advice in terms of CX? Oh, let me think. I think it is really understanding. I mean, I'm going to apply it to the tech world. You and I both are in the tech world, but I think it's it. very easy when you're building tech um, or you're taking on people to build tech to think about the new and the shiny and to go, right, well, we could do this. Our competitors are doing this. Why don't we just give it this feature and that feature and suddenly you've built something that sounds amazing, but you haven't actually got a customer for. Um, so I, I would really encourage... Uh, leaders of tech businesses to, to really keep in touch with the problem that they're trying to solve for the customer make sure that it hits a solution for that customer and keep checking back and one of the things that we've done with MKL recently is we've created a customer sandbox which is basically just a, um, a demo system so they can get their hands on the IOT kit 
um, in a really easy way. But the whole point of that is not just so that the customers can feel it, but so they can give us feedback on how to develop something for them. And I think it really is keeping in touch, making sure you've got those channels open as you develop your tech product that, so that you keep hearing that feedback and customers can, if they can touch and feel it right the way through the, the, the production journey, that is how you're going to land something that really ticks their boxes and hopefully gives you sales, which is what you're there for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that a lot. Um, I think we'll have to steal that, that as your quote for the for the podcast. But um, yeah, um, Sharon, thank you very much for being on the um, on the podcast. Um, hopefully, we'll all be able to um, celebrate our launch together um, at some point once we yes. get clearer uh, pathways for us to do so. Um, but thank you for being on the on the podcast. And if people want to get hold of you or you know want to hear a little bit more about what you do and what you can offer as well from a CX perspective what's the best way and how can they get hold of you yep so i'm on linkedin um sharon boyd ccxp i'm also my website is canoodlecx.com so and i've got all my channels and everything on there but i'm on instagram twitter everywhere <laughs> facebook so yeah you can always find me through canoodlecx perfect sharon thank you so much for being on the show thanks dan take care <laughs>